You're listening to Unhooked. My guest today is Alex Lehman. Alex is a men's coach, a breathwork practitioner and facilitator, and the host of the Heart of Man podcast. With a deeply personal journey that saw him navigate through the dark waters of depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem, Alex embarked on a seven-year journey around the world, immersing himself in ancient wisdom traditions like Buddhism, Taoism, and yoga. Alex's mission is to help guide individuals on a transformative path towards authentic self-discovery and emotional balance, empowering them to unlock their full potential in their relationships and in their lives. In this episode, we cover Alex's mission with the Heart of Man podcast, some of the pain points that Alex experienced that woke him up to his interest in relational work for men, Alex's experience with porn as an unhealthy coping mechanism, how to move from sexual shame to sexual acceptance, how porn can become a way to avoid rejection and feel in control, but ultimately leads to a downward spiral, different strategies for overcoming porn addiction, and finally, finding purpose and meaning in life. To learn more about Alex, please go and check out the Heart of Man podcast, and check out Alex's Instagram page, both of which are linked in the show notes here. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review. It really does help, and it means a lot. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Alex Lehman. One, two, Hi, I'm Jeremy Lipkowitz, and with over 12 years of meditation experience as a mindfulness trainer and coach for high performers, I've become obsessed with helping people break free from compulsive, unhealthy behaviors and addictions and step into a life of true freedom so that they can finally become their best selves and cultivate deeper and lasting fulfillment. I've created Unhooked, the Breaking Porn Addiction Podcast, to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step -step strategies to master your mind and optimize your life. This is Unhooked. All right, so welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Unhooked. I'm very excited to be here with my brother, Alex Lehman. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I feel very excited. Yeah. So I wanted to start off with exploring a little bit about actually your podcast. Mm. You know, it's called The Heart of Man. And I want you to just talk to me a little bit about what caused you to start that podcast. Yeah. 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 Thanks for asking. Um, you know, I noticed that the desire to have my own podcast or to start my own podcast has been something that has been in the making for me for a few years. And it's been something that, you know, is, is genuinely coming from my desire just to have engaging conversations with people. I'm a very curious human. And so with that, I, I love talking about these type of conversations, whether it's philosophy, um, psychology, spirituality. Um, and I noticed that over the last few years, um, what really as well is a big topic that came in for me was men's work. And I would say the pivotal moment that really guided me into um wanting to create my own podcast was one and a half years ago i just i came out of a relationship and uh, it was i would say the first relationship where i came with the conscious attention to go all in so it was the first time where i deliberately 100 chose a woman 
And up until that moment, I have avoided intimacy my whole life. And for me, it was just this deep fear of exposing and revealing myself, revealing my heart, you know, which is something in so many ways. It's, it's this tender place inside of me that I've um, attempted to, to conceal from anybody, mm. you know, outside of me. But with that as well, I concealed it to myself. So I think um, that connection to my own heart has always been something that I've always wanted to protect myself from. But at the same time, I noticed that there was a huge craving for that. And so when that relationship, so when I came into that relationship with this woman around one and a half years ago, I, I thought it was going to be this fairy tale where, you know, everything is going to come together. And, you know, we were madly in love and, you know, she was ticking all the boxes for me in so many ways. Um, and after the honeymoon phase settled in, I noticed that all the unprocessed experiences that I never had within the realm of intimacy started emerging a lot from my childhood patterns, a lot from past experiences of being intimate with others. And so there was a lot of experiences of feeling the, the, the sense of unworthiness, the grief of maybe perhaps feeling alone, the shame. So a lot of that was coming to the surface. But then as well, a lot of my coping mechanisms that I had to learn as a child in order to sustain attachment with another person. My, um, my requirement to make another person happy, but then at the cost of myself, abandoning myself. Um, the inability to express my needs, my wants, my boundaries, um, my ability to stay connected to my anger, which actually in so many ways frightened my woman because there was moments where I was angry, but I couldn't acknowledge it because there was so much shame around my anger. Um, my inability to, to lead and create structure for a woman. And, and with that, she never felt safe, mm. right? My ability to not communicate what it is that is important to me, you know? My shame towards my sexual desires, right? And, and openly communicating those. And so there was so much that was coming in. Right? And, and that, that's just, you know, the, the surface level, everything that I've communicated so far. And when that relationship came to an end, there was this really deep questioning of how the hell did I get here? Mm. How the hell did I get here? Because up until this point, I have done personal growth work for around eight years. And it's something that I have not just you know tapped into but i've lived and breathed it up until that point but what i started realizing is up until that point i have never done relational growth work i have never understood what it's like to actually relate to somebody in an intimate way and to do that work with somebody else because a lot of it was just about me up until that point and another thing that really started emerging from that is no one ever taught me how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a man in relationship. And in fact, I was ashamed for being a man. I was ashamed. Um, I, I, I believed men were bad. And so naturally, I had this entire internalized shame about me 
And I came out of that experience with a lot of grief, with a lot of shame, and with a lot of anger. Because I started realizing I was set up to fail. No one was there to actually help me and guide me. I didn't have the male role models. I didn't have the support structures that could support me through all those moments of wounding and pain that I had. And so initially, of course, I had to go through my own journey. I had to start going into that cave that I was never willing to go. But what emerged from that and the lessons that came from that really inspired a deep passion in me, a deep desire to support other men so that they don't have to go through the same challenges that I had to. But then as well, to really normalize that it's, it's okay to be a man. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a man. And to really give men the support structures so, and educating them to really cultivate the skills to truly be competent in their own lives so they don't have to fall into coping mechanisms like I did. Mm-hmm. And so I would say this is where this desire f- to support men started. But I would say the podcast was definitely the vehicle that I was creatively and creatively excited to do. Yeah. So it sounds like this relationship that you had was like a, a microcosm for your life in terms of shining a light on the things that were missing in terms of your personal development. Like mm-hmm. there was a whole other compartment of personal development that you hadn't been diving into, the relational work, the what does it mean to be a man? What are the difficulties associated with that? So this podcast was really born out of your own struggles with that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely my own struggles. But then, yeah, as you said, it, it really um, revealed to me the elements that I was never able to learn or that it, it revealed as well. It illuminated to me the places where I was afraid to look. Mm. Yeah. And, and coming out of that relationship, realizing here's a woman that I love and I couldn't, I couldn't love her in the way that she needed me to love her. Yeah. And so that was really a huge pain point for me to realize I need to do some work around this. What were some of the areas that you were afraid to look in? Like you mentioned a few, but what are some of the biggest topics that you see coming up for yourself and for other people? I would say it was, I mean, it was definitely certain emotions that I was deeply afraid of going into. Grief. Grief was a huge one. Um, you know, I'm sure that to some degree you had, you know, as well picked up on these or, you know, received messages like this, but boys are not supposed to cry, right? Boys are not supposed to feel, right? Don't be weak. Don't be a pussy. All these things, right? Like these are all things that I learned. And as a safety mechanism growing up, stepping into manhood, I disconnected from that place. But then I as well still was in acknowledgement of the fact that I was very sensitive, right? So it was this um, double bind where I was incredibly sensitive. But then a part of my um, social conditioning told me, don't go there. And so this was a time, this was a space where I really needed to step into that grief, but then step into the helpless part of me. Step into a place where I couldn't move forward anymore. Yeah. 
And it, it was this, this interesting thing because it was the last place I wanted to go, that place of collapse. Because up until that point, I've always wanted to pursue this, this sense of feeling powerful, this sense of feeling capable, right? It's something that, that can as well be very addictive, right? But it's that place of powerlessness that I had to really touch and enter. Um, I would say another thing is shame, huge shame, right? It was, it was interesting because, you know, I've explored this topic of shame for many years. I've, I've, I've explored it, I've unpacked it for myself, I've, I've looked at it, but shame is a sneaky one. <laughs> because even though we may believe, I'll speak for myself, even though I believed, uh, I knew the places inside of me that I was shameful of, I didn't, I wasn't, a, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So I wasn't aware of the patterns that were still um, moving underneath the surface. So I think I, I was working as well with a coach at the time, and it was the first time where I had to acknowledge to myself in the face of another, and I told him, a part of me fucking hates myself. A part of me fucking hates myself. And I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was this first time where I was willing to give up and I was like, I don't know if I want to live anymore. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And it was so interesting because me communicating those two things, it felt like a liberation. It felt freeing to a part of me that always believed he needed to be good, that always believed he needed to be perfect. And it was really at that time where I started stepping more into wholeness. You know, there, there's one quote by Carl Jung, which I absolutely love is, I'd rather be whole than good. And so this is really where I st started stepping more into wholeness, where I really started allowing myself to be a whole being in my messiness, in my weaknesses, in my limitations, in my failures. But then as well, of course, seeing my light at the same time. Mm. Yeah, so, so like putting down the armor, like letting go of, of the facade of than this knight in shining armor and just kind of saying, I'm going to put down the armor. I'm going to let myself be vulnerable and be real. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, I have been practicing vulnerability for many years, but there came this point where, you know, there was certain aspects of myself that I, I was already like to others may seem vulnerable that I was sharing, but I could feel in myself. They weren't vulnerable anymore yeah. because I was already so accustomed to sharing that and i was getting validation from them. yeah that was my attempt as well to seek validation or approval right right but then those really messy parts that i didn't want anybody to know about me like those are the places again that that were starting to creep back in that i didn't want to share right and it's it's interesting because we you can feel the difference between performative vulnerability where you're like oh look at me being such a vulnerable sensitive man <laughs> sharing this thing that looks vulnerable and looks sensitive, but you know it's not really that scary. Exactly. Versus when you really share something that you're genuinely scared to share. Exactly. And you feel that difference. That's it. There's an aliveness that is present with that. Yeah. It, it moves the other person, whereas the other thing is more performative. Yeah. It's coming from the mind. Yeah. What's your mission with the podcast? Like, who is it for? What are you trying to bring into the world? You know, I think there's various elements that come into this. But I think I would, the first thing that I wanted to offer is um, support an education platform where men can find ways to come back into connection with themselves. 
you know, one of my, the teachers that I am really deeply passionate about, his name is John Wyland. Um, and he, he wrote this book from the core and ultimately, you know, the premise of the book is really connecting men back into the essence of themselves again. And it's just this idea of coming into contact with our core and living, breathing, acting from that place from moment to moment. There's something about that that feels incredibly exciting for me. What does that mean to live from the core? I would say it, it really comes from this idea of like living from your authentic expression, your truthful expression from moment to moment, whatever it may be in the moment, but allowing the moment and what is true and what is real in the moment to allow that to guide you, to allow that to dictate you. And not necessarily just as well what's true for you, but as well what's true within the environment that you're in, right? Because we're always in connection to each other to some degree. So coming into as well understanding of how am I in relationship with this person at the moment, you know, and what's really needed. So I think there is an element of that that as well plays into that. But I think, yeah, to, to really summarize it, that's, that's the way I see it. That's how I would articulate it right now. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes that I heard from, from my business mentor is, your mess is your message. Hmm. And it's this idea that, you know, the, the shit that you've gone through is what you're here to help other people with. And you talked a little bit about the relationship, the breakup, and, and how that was a pivotal moment. Was there another moment? maybe earlier on, you know, something that was important from your life or your childhood that kind of has brought you to where you are today? Yeah. I mean, I, f I feel like I've, I've spoken to some of the pain that I had growing up or like some of the things that really um, started emerging, you know, through the conditioning I received. I think the thing, I think the point that I want to speak into is that in my young 20s, I was a paramedic. I was working as a paramedic. And so like, being a paramedic is a very unique profession in the sense that I, I see things that other people usually don't see. I see that interplay between life and death. I see people at their most vulnerable and their most realist moments. That's those places where the masks and the facade um, completely falls off, right? And at that time, I was living in a state of constant anxiety, specifically in social settings. Mm -hmm. um, I was depressed. I had a lot of internalized shame um, and was as well dealing with a lot of addictions. Pornography as well, one of them, um, you know, which I know that you speak a lot about. And at that time, there was a lot of confusion, not recognizing what is my place in the world. I would say that is a really huge pain point that I wasn't aware of and this recognition that if I don't know my place in the world and where to go, like it, I, I started noticing as well, working with men, how big of a pain point that really is. Um, but that was as well my huge pain point in that moment. And what was, what was really hitting me with all you know the work that I was doing and all the patients I was seeing, the moments I got hit the most was when I would meet somebody at the end of their lives because that's, those are the places, those are the moments when I felt like the facade couldn't be, they couldn't uphold it anymore. And so being a very sensitive being already at that time and 
That's really something I had to cultivate as a survival mechanism. What I really felt in them was this sense of, was this it? Was this really it? And, and the sense of, I'm all alone. So it was kind of like this feeling of, I didn't live the life that was authentic and true to me. And I was all alone. And those were two pain points that were really touching me. And it was kind of like this, like the red alarm bells were going off in that moment because I started realizing if I don't change something about my own life, that's where I'm heading. That's where I'm heading. That's where I'm going. Because I already felt so alone. I already felt so depressed. I already felt so isolated. And I was just so incredibly unhappy because I was living to other people's expectations yeah. all day long. And so what happened there is it, it really, it hit a pain point inside of me where there was a willingness that was emerging from that place that allowed me to do something radical. And so, you know, when I was 23, I left Germany behind and I started backpacking the world, right? And m my trips initially um, were in Thailand and Bali. And the thing that really stood out for me during those first trips was I could just, I could reinvent myself. I could recreate myself in the sense that no one knew me. No one knew who I was. So they weren't reflecting back to me who they believed I was, but I as well didn't have to come from that same place anymore. And so I, I noticed the power that that personality that was created over time, of course, through my conditioning, mm -hmm. that was something that is malleable. That is something I can change. And I started operating in a way that was very different. And I think there was a sense of freedom that came from that, that I, it was a visceral experience that I had that I kept on searching for, that I kept on looking for and seeking. And of course, I mean, like this could be an entire podcast, just speaking about that, longing to experience that freedom again. And of course, you know, that freedom didn't last because there was a lot of unprocessed wounds and, uh, and coping mechanisms that kept me as well to know the personality that was already created for myself um but it, it it gave me an access point to come into an understanding of wanting to chart my own path wanting to step into the you know calling mm. and going along into the journey i want to i want to go back to what you just said a moment ago which was this experience that you had of being a paramedic witnessing people at the end of their life and and seeing kind of the pain at the end of the life that can happen mm. uh, you know did I really live you know in a way that was fully aligned with my purpose is this really the end of my life and I haven't done anything with it and I'm all alone. and you said you know you realize that if you don't make a change that's where you're headed and it's it's so interesting because those are almost the exact words that were transformative for me in my life, you know, that came to me around porn addiction. And I'm just curious, in that moment, what was it that you realized you wanted to be at the end of your life? Because there's it's kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like, if I don't make a change, this is where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. And usually that shines a light on what you do want. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, did it 
Did mm-hmm. something come to you about what's mm-hmm. important? Good question. I'll give you I'll give you as well the answer that I had at that time, but I as well want to give you the answer that I couldn't articulate at that time that I feel like I can articulate. So what I wanted, I want to be happy. That's the thing I was seeking for. I wanted to know how to be happy, right? Because I didn't really care anymore about the life that everybody else was living. I recognized I was already miserable. And if I were to continue on that path, I'm going to stay miserable. What I wanted was happiness because I never had it my whole life. I never had it, right? It's like, it sucks to say it to a certain degree, but like that is my life story. It, it, it emerged from pain. I, I had this deep pain from a young age and all I wanted was to be free of it. But at the same time, I think the thing that I really as well wanted that I couldn't articulate at the time that I can really now start seeing, I wanted relationship. I wanted connection. I wanted intimacy because I never had it. I didn't, like, I, I know how I was growing up being in a family system and I love my parents. I love my sister and, you know, we, we have a beautiful relationship to the degree that it is available. But I can as well notice how it, it felt like we were in a room together, but there was no aliveness. The relationship, the connection, the intimacy wasn't there. It was kind of like just two, four strangers coming together. Yeah. And that was deeply, deeply painful. And it's interesting that part of your story, you know, one of the things that came to you in your time as a paramedic was the seeing these people and seeing how alone they were. And that that was the thing that, you were seeing like, oh, this is where I'm headed if I don't work on how to be intimate with others. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as well, right? Because I had so much internalized shame and I had as well this deep desire to stay safe. Growing up as well, I, I got bullied. Mm-hmm. And with that, I had this deep fear just around strangers. I didn't trust people. And so naturally, because of my past experiences, my natural disposition was stay away from me, get away from me. And so I was isolating myself. I was all alone all the time. So I could already relate to them from that place where I was at. I wasn't in connection, right? And I, I didn't know how to change it at the time, but there was, I think there was a deep longing for them. You mentioned talking about kind of unhealthy coping mechanisms, mm. and you mentioned porn being one of the ones. And you know, I, I, we talked about this already that you'd be open and willing to share some of your experiences. Absolutely. And I'm curious, you know, how did that start? You know, what was, where did it begin for you? And what were some of the, the consequences you were seeing from that behavior? Specifically with porn, right? Yeah. 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 Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I want to, I want to share the first experience I ever was exposed to porn. Um, I think it was around 12 or 13 years old. Um, we were intending to have uh, a sleepover at um, a friend's house because his, his mom was gone. Um, and so I, I was living like, you know, 200 meters away. So and I remember I was, I was going home to pick up all my stuff. And then I went over to their house. And as I arrived, I noticed all four guys, you know, locked around a computer screen. And what I started noticing is they were watching pornography. And a part of me was like really uncomfortable during that moment. I was, I was very, um, I was scared. I was scared because the, the images that I was seeing and the, th- 
what I was being exposed to in that moment was so, it just didn't feel good at that time. But I as well noticed the, I can't even explain it, but it was this, this, this rush, this, this flood that was moving through me, this sense of curiosity mm. that was alive because, you know, up until that point, point my, I mean, I, maybe I didn't have much connection to sexuality, but I know it was as well very repressed and it was very um, hidden. And so that was kind of like the first time where I was like, oh, okay, now I can like play with that energy and I, I can bring it to the surface. Um, and I noticed how that moment is one that really stuck with me. And a part of me was resisting even going into that behavior initially but I noticed the flood of energy that I got from that behavior from the first time. And so I was going through a lot of pain at that time. I, like I said, I was bullied. I, I, we just moved to Canada, um, coming originally from Germany. And so I, I, I didn't really belong. Like, I, you know, I was this, mm. just this weird guy who was coming from a different continent, just a little bit different. People were picking on me. Um, I didn't really know how to fit in. I didn't really know how to communicate with them. Um, like sports for me was kind of like my safe zone. It was kind of like the place where I could find connection with others, but it was hard otherwise, you know, I kind of locked, locked myself in books and things like that. Right. But, um, when a lot of that pain started kicking in for me, I noticed that porn was an ability. It was an access point for me to soothe myself. Mm -hmm. And so that was really where it started entering. Um, and so really combining as well, of course, um, you know, seeing those like floods of images, but then as well engaging, you know, sexually by masturbating, like, you know, that in many ways is like a, a combination that is very addictive, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's over time. And, you know, I think there was a gradual progression to it because there was just so much shame of me going into it, but it, it, it really became a behavior that I then started using to start soothing myself um i feel like there was a second part to your question that i'm missing yeah so i want to ask you about some of the consequences you were seeing in your yeah. life but i just want to highlight you know it's, you're almost talking about kind of you walk in you feel this discomfort this yeah this fear but then simultaneously there's also kind of the arousal the the rush of the physiological mm. sensations and in many ways, it's like a cocktail. It's mm. a cocktail of different things that feel exciting and totally. good and also a little bit scary, which is also, you know, brings more of the dopamine because there's a little bit more fear and, and the taboo around it. And so just that whole cocktail of experience that what you get as a young kid, it's very addictive. Yeah. And it gives you that feeling of being able to soothe yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and also a feeling of a sense of control that it gives you like, hey, I'm in control here. Yeah. And also the sense of feeling powerful mm. and also the intimacy. Mm. I mean, if you're lacking the intimacy and here's this thing, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm getting some intimacy from this. Mm. I think that's the thing that I really want to highlight as well, you know, because yes, that's absolutely accurate. I did want control. I did want to feel powerful. I did want a sense of intimacy because that's where the void was. My desire to access porn was because there was an absence of these things and i didn't know how to get that my life was just like out of control i was in pain i felt powerless i felt helpless 
I, I, f I felt isolated. And I think the thing that I as well want to emphasize as well, you know, with my work, um, you know, as a breathwork facilitator, I, I work a lot with the nervous system. What I was attempting to do was I was attempting to internally regulate myself through this external uh, exogenous substance, you know. And so I think that's kind of like the big thing that I was seeing. And, you know, I, I think anybody who is dealing with some form of compulsion or addiction, they can relate to the fact that what we're attempting to do is we're actually attempting to internally regulate ourselves because we feel dysregulated at these moments. Yeah, and that's it. You know, with all addiction, it's there's some pain, there's some suffering, and we're using whatever tools or mechanism we can to to soothe ourselves, to regulate that pain and, and kind of deal with it. And maybe in the beginning, it's actually helpful. It helps us survive and get by. But over time, we see these consequences. And so that's what I'm curious for you is, when did you start to notice the effects of porn, some of the, the negative consequences showing mm -hmm. up in your life? Well, I would say the big one is it, it ex actually exacerbated isolation, but it, it kind of gave me a vehicle where a little bit of my intimacy, desire for intimacy was satiated, but not everything, right? So it was kind of like I was getting like 20 to 30%, but that was kind of like enough that I needed in order to survive. But you know, because I was ultimately using this, I didn't really feel the drive to go outside of myself to maybe explore intimacy with another. Um, the desire was there, but I think what was really more prevalent for me was the fear around it, right? And so because there was such an extreme amount of fear of being rejected or of being dismissed, um, it, it felt safer for me to stay with the coping mechanism. And that in itself is um, what I noticed a path of disaster ultimately for myself because what I wasn't able to learn was the skills, the skills of engaging with somebody new, the skills of maybe um, flirting with another person, right? Or... Um, being in an environment where it's like, oh, I'm kind of scared to talk to this person, but I'm as well really interested. Well, let me just do that, right? And so what I notice is that that sense of competence that I was longing for within, you know, my relationship to women, but then as well an intimacy and relationship, that was only, like, I could only cultivate that through the action, through do actually, like, going into those places. And I, I just wasn't. I wasn't in those younger years, you know? And so that actually exacerbated for me uh, the sense of I'm out of control. I feel, I, I feel ashamed of myself. I don't feel confident in myself. And then, um, you know, it, it, it led to a deep sense of unworthiness within myself. Yeah, it's a downward spiral, like the not wanting to risk getting rejected, putting yourself out there, making a mistake. And so you go stick with the safety of, well, porn is a sure thing. I don't have to risk rejection. I know, you know, that the porn actresses are always going to say yes. <laughs> so, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really tricky kind of downward spiral there. You mentioned shame a lot. And I know sexual shame is like a particular flavor of shame that plays a big role here. So I'm just curious, what's your experience of that and around porn use as well? Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess the first thing I want to just name is that it felt just so incredibly secretive, you know, and it's something that I need to hide. 
And it's it's something that to a certain degree, I felt like I wasn't able to communicate it. You know, I, I recall like moments when I would you know, be watching, you know, TV with my parents and people would start kissing and it's like, there's already this incredible discomfort. It's like, mm, I don't know if we should be in the same room right now. And like all, all these things were starting to come alive. So it, it was kind of like all the messages that I received that, you know, is, is, is that it's not okay. But at the same time, like, you know, I was a very sexual being. I, you know, I just acknowledged that there was a lot of like, there is a lot of sexual energy moving through me. Right. And so because I wasn't cultivating a relationship to that energy within myself, a lot of that had to stay in shadow through these behaviors, right? And so, you know, as well, like a big thing that I do as well in my work is really bringing men into a space where they can come into acceptance with their own sexuality and actually not feel shame about it, that it's okay, that it's okay that they feel this way and learning how to work as well with that energy within themselves um, so they don't have to go into these shadow behaviors. How would you help someone move from that place of feeling shame around their sexuality? You know, just like you say, you, you see a like a sex scene, you're, you're watching a movie with your parents and a sex scene comes on and mm -hmm. you're feeling this tightness. Or yeah. How do you help someone move from a place of sexual shame to sexual acceptance? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I want to name that it, it, it does come up in my work with men, but it isn't necessarily my focal point working with men, but I would say the approach that I would usually take is first of all, come to an understanding of where is that sexual shame coming from? So come into an understanding of, is this something that I learned from somebody else? Is this somebody else's message? Is it mine? Like how, how did it come about? So really start untangling some of those messages that we've received. I would say as well, this, the second thing coming into an under, like coming into an understanding of where we currently stand with that, you know, because there may be the physiological message that we have through the shame, but maybe with, you know, everything that we've been learning in our current maturity level, we may be at a current, like a very different place with that. Right. So there can sometimes be as well, a little bit of that uh, conflict between our cognitive functions and what we actually believe to what our physiology really, uh, you know, how our ph physiology responds to that. So I think as well coming and I mean, my work specifically focuses a lot around embodiment and the physiology within someone's body. So I think a big thing as well that I really um, support when with is coming into an understanding when the phys like when the shame arises for them and actually learning how to be with that shame as it comes up and of course there's different there's different approaches to that uh, i would say mindfulness or having some form of more i'm going to say meditative approach where they can identify the sensation as it arises within them um and, and learning how to sustain being with that part of them without needing to escape because the porn or any other substance is the attempt to escape from the sensation. And so what I'm actually attempting to do is support them in being able to address, giving them the skills to address the sensation, but as well feeling safe within the sensation because the reason why they're like ultimately escaping from it is because they don't feel safe, right? And it does, that does as well take time, right? So they may 
need to build the capacity to with to actually hold that energy within themselves whether it's the fear whether it's the shame whether it's the sexual desire i as well of course work a lot with the breath and and so with that you know exploring different tools of um how to strengthen somebody's capacity and resilience is, is definitely incredibly essential and and learning how to ultimately be with intensity i think that's a big learning that i've had to come th- with and that kind of as well took me on my own journey of um overcoming porn um it is to be with my sexual charge to be with intensity and actually not demonize it and say it's okay it's okay that i feel sexual desire right now it's okay that i feel attraction right now and actually see it as something beautiful right so i think as well there is that physiological approach to it but as well there's a cognitive approach around what is it that i want to believe about this how do i want to reframe this for myself what is the vision that i have maybe right maybe there is a vision of wanting um relationship intimacy connection well what is the vision that i can have around my sexuality that would actually support that yeah. right so yeah i feel like i'm going a bit of a rant but you know it, it's beautiful it, elements, and yeah. it really it touches me also like a lot of similar with with my own approach with with the clients and and just in my own life like how i was able to shift from sexual shame to sexual acceptance and it's really this movement of saying it's it's fine that i have these sexual feelings mm. i'm a human i'm a man like mm. of course i'm going to be attracted to a beautiful woman yeah. or whoever you're interested in like of course desire is going to be there and it's a beautiful part of being human and i remember for me there was this one book i was reading um it was like a, a science fiction and it doesn't really matter what the book was about there was this one character from the book who was this man who was a very like masculine man in a beautiful way not in a toxic way and he was fully embracing and embodying his sexuality like he was flirting in this really open beautiful way and he would show his advances and be interested in in his partner in a just a way that was fully embodied and there was no shame around it and just reading about that character had such an impact on me cuz it showed me a way to to not suppress mm. sexuality and deny it but mm. to fully say yeah i want to mm. be with you like let's mm-hmm. let's go have fun yeah. you know and so i think having these visions healthy role models of embodied sexuality and mm. integrated sexuality can be really important yeah as opposed to the vision of like oh i'm a creep i'm a pervert yeah uh, there's a few more things that are coming up for me i mean just in general any form of shame i i like to as well tend to it through a compassionate approach coming into a place of recognizing well what is it that i feel about myself in those moments when i feel shame usually it's going to be some form of expression of I don't feel lovable. I don't feel like I belong or I can belong. I'm part of the tribe. I'm bad. All these things, right, are coming up, right? So what is it that I really need in those moments and and really coming into an understanding as well of our own innocence. Like my my entry into porn came from a place of innocence, right? I don't deny the impact of my behavior, but at the same time I recognize it came from my point of pain right it came from my attempt to want to soothe myself because i didn't have anybody to talk to so i think that is is an essential point to speak into just 
to come into an, a compassionate and loving approach to ourselves with that. And at the same time, I think the final thing I want to say in regards to feeling arousal, what would it be like to actually experience the arousal and not have to do anything about it, but rather just feel it within oneself and, and recognize this can be here, but I don't need to, I don't need to do anything about it. Right. And as initially that may feel very uncomfortable and I've definitely had those moments and, you know, I mean, there's that various practices as well that I had to get into to really get out of porn, but initially, as mentioned, it can be very uncomfortable to be with that sexual arousal, but it trained me over time. I didn't have to do anything about it, which actually um, gave me a sense of confidence over it. I could feel like attraction. I could feel sexual energy, but at the same time, I didn't have to do anything about it when it didn't feel appropriate, when, it, when I just maybe didn't want to. And uh, I would say there's this level of maturity that came from it. Yeah. You mentioned that there were a few things you had to do to actually like stop watching porn. What were some of those things and what were some of the struggles you faced? Like, were there any obstacles? Mm -hmm. Was it challenging? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that was as well, like, like learning about that was kind of an entry point as well for me into, into men's work. And I, I started exploring um, a lot of tantric philosophy and then as well um, Taoism. So uh, ancient Chinese philosophy and um, you know, there, there's a lot of different understandings around sexual energy, which you don't necessarily have to go into, but, um, they speak about the importance of sustaining that energy within ourselves. And they speak about the importance of actually, um, not, um, releasing our sperm. And so I wanted to just explore what it would be like to not, um, engage sexually with myself for a while. And so I went into, you know, exploring that for 30 days, right? And ultimately putting myself through challenging experiences was definitely, has always been an approach that has greatly served me on my path of growth, on my path of transformation. I think that's something that I really strongly believe in, that we as men, we thrive in challenge and we as men as well thrive when we lean into our edges. Yeah. And so that was an attempt for me just to lean into my like edges and into a challenge because I wanted to feel more competent in my life. And I wasn't feeling competent because that thing was controlling me. And so I wanted to come into a position where I could start coming into control over that, um, th th those, that experience that I was having. And so, yeah, coming into that, coming out of those 30 days, I had the embodied experience of what it feels like to not engage in that way um, for 30 days. And so that kind of gave me a different relationship to my own sexuality, where, as mentioned, I could sustain feeling a lot of arousal because I was, but at the same time, I as well had to learn more different, like different ways of how to navigate it, which, you know, in many ways can be a little bit more esoteric, but, you know, the breath was definitely one access point, which I really had to start cultivating a deeper relationship with and as well becoming a breathwork facilitator, um, it was interesting how, what impact as well it had on my sexual life. You know, just because to me, the breath is the vehicle through which we can um, modulate between activate, being, feeling activated in our lives and as well being relaxed, right? And so those moments when we feel a lot of sexual arousal, 
we're naturally going to be predisposed to a more uh, sympathetic state where we're more aroused, where there's maybe more of a stress response. Yeah? But that can be modulated through um, bringing focus towards our exhale or just allowing the general flow of breath to still move through us. And so building a deeper relationship to my own breath has absolutely been essential. And I would say that's a foundational piece. Mm. So it's like a healthier coping mechanism, a healthier regulatory mechanism. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a coping mechanism. Yeah. I would call it a, like a mechanism to regulate it. Regulate. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I'm curious, you know, after having gotten rid of porn, what were some of the biggest benefits you saw in your life? What were the positive impacts of that? I had more drive. I had more uh, desire to act. I had more desire to engage with others, you know, and it doesn't just have to be in a sexual way. It can as well just be, I want to be in connection with others. You know, it could be as well, I just want to be in connection with you in some way, right? Um, I felt more creative. I felt like I, I just wanted to create, you know, there's this as well, this understanding that our sexual energy is as well our creative energy. Mm. Um, and so with that, th there was a natural, I just felt alive. I had a lot of energy inside myself. And it, I think it's just that embodied visceral sense um, that as well gave me um, the desire to continue and sustain that. Right. Yeah. And so it's a source of power. Yeah. It was a source of power that I was actually longing for. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, for me, um, there wasn't necessarily a desire to go back. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, as we talked about earlier, one of the things that can make you reach out for porn in the first place is, okay, I want to feel powerful. I want to feel like I'm in control. Whereas it's actually sucking away your mm. power. It's draining away your resources, mm. your energy. You feel this kind of just heaviness. And then when you learn how to contain it and work with that energy and keep it within yourself it actually is a, a greater source of power yeah but as as i said this our sense of power comes from feeling capable mm. we we feel capable when we step into fear when we step into the things that we're not willing to go into when we're willing to go to our edges when we're willing to challenge ourselves like that those are the ways and i'm, I'm gonna speak this is probably a more um approach that a lot of men will relate to but like that's really what I see as really required, coupled as well with a compassionate approach. So I think how can we couple staying compassionate with ourselves, staying accepting of where we are at right now, and as well recognizing coming into a sense of deep empathy for our pain, but at the same time, like coming into a place of deep willingness, of be, staying disciplined, of mm -hmm. challenging ourselves. And, and coming into a place of like, what is it I'm aspired to get to? Wh who am I aspired to be? Right? And so I think both of those, holding both of those simultaneously, that to me is the path that yeah. definitely worked. And it's kind of like the, the willingness to endure pain if it's in service of a greater good or in service of a meaning or a purpose. What, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know the exact quote, but Viktor Frankl once said something along the lines of, men who don't have a sense of meaning or purpose distract themselves with pleasure. Mm. <laughs> and you talked about a little bit about like, as men, we, we actually thrive in the challenge and going to our edges and having that sense of, you know, something greater than just kind of like seeking pleasure. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like, what is purpose or what is meaning to you? 
Mm. Question, brother. Um, there's, there's always been a bit of an inner philosopher in me, and so I, I love these type of conversations. You know, I think the thing that I want to first of all speak into is what purpose is not for me, which is like, I feel like there is this 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 conversation out there that the, the purpose is this thing that you have to find. And it's kind of like, I have this image of like, there is this golden door and you have to find the golden key. And then once you come through that door, your life is going to be miraculous and you're going to not have any challenges anymore. And like all your life will make sense. And it's just a steady path forward from there. And it's not like that, you know, like for me, it's, it's, it, it's never been like that. And so I've, I've come more into a recognition and understanding of rather than looking for some purpose outside of myself, I'm inquiring into how can every moment that I live and experience be purposeful. And so that is something that consistently drives me. How can I make this moment purposeful, right? How do you know when you're being purposeful? Mm -hmm. When I feel like I'm connected to my deepest values. So I think it as well comes into an understanding of who am I? Like having a deep clarity of who am I and what am I here to do? Um, and, and, and that will as well evolve over time. But coming into a deep transparency of who am I in this moment? What's true for me in this moment? And what is it that I want to be a stand for? I think that's as well a really big thing. What is it that I want to be a stand for? So the things that I personally want to be a stand for is, is love, is connection, is, is relationship, is um, authenticity. Because those were the points that I didn't have growing up, right? And so I, when I have any interaction with anybody, I explore how can I weave those in within the interaction? How can I make this moment purposeful? And I think as well, like when I say make every moment purposeful, it, it really as well comes back to me as well. Giving all of me, giving all of me. I, I want to have, I want to be fully spent when my day ends. And, and that to me is kind of like, and not in a way where I'm like, um, not in a way, a masochistic way where I'm like, um, you know, not taking care of myself, but in a way where it's like, I, I have made the most of my life. I have made the most of every interaction and every experience, right? Um, and I think that is something that it really comes back to for me. And, you know, to me, that, that deeper recognition of, you know, purpose, it, it, come, it, it comes as an unfolding with each moment. Right? Mm. What I'm doing today is, you know, very different from what I did two years ago. And it, it's just been an unfolding path. So for me... Where, where can that next step, where, where can that step of where we're at guide us to where we're supposed to go, right? And so if we don't know our purpose, like, can that be our purpose to find our purpose, right? Hmm. And, and can that be purposeful? Can yeah. that be meaningful? Yeah. I haven't gone into the topic of meaning yet, but if, if you want me to go into that. Yeah, well, what's coming to you around meaning? Is there something, Yeah. are they distinct for you? Kind of your purpose and meaning? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, there is this understanding, especially in existential philosophy, that nothing really has meaning outside of the meaning that we create, right? And so come into, so for me, it's, it's really about an understanding of what's, what does feel meaningful for me. And to me, it's, it's, a, it's, 
It's something that I feel viscerally. It's those moments when I feel deeply alive inside of me. That's when I know I've touched into something that's meaningful for me. And usually there is some form of, um, there's some form of combination of a pain point that I had that is, you know, it feels like it's being healed in the moment that that feels meaningful. But then there is as well like this, or I touch an aspect of me that I've always been creatively in touch with, but maybe had to deny from a very young age. So I see that combination of like maybe art, like expression. Yeah, like, expression yeah. And, yeah. and a pain point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm curious to know what's next for you. Like the heart of man is, it is kind of flourishing now. You're, you're interviewing all these very interesting people. What's the next step for you? It's mm. a great question, man. Um, I think what I'm really seeing for myself is I want to, I want to create the structures for men that I didn't have. I want to put in the systems in place for men that I didn't have. And I want to, uh, I want to educate men around the importance of, of coming together. I, I really have, I really live under this strong conviction that men need men. We need each other, right? We sharpen each other. We are there to support each other. And I'm, I'm looking in a way of how we can um, be with each other where we don't have to express power over each other, but we can share power with, and we can, we can support each other with our power. We can, I can see you as a powerful man, but that doesn't as well negate that I'm a powerful man. And how, how can we interact with each other to actually support each other? And I would love to create a culture like that where, where men can interact with each other in this way, but then as well experience connection in a way that they didn't feel was available you know, maybe growing up or within their conditioning of how to be as men. I think there's a nutrient, you know, that we experience amongst other men that we didn't have. Right. So I think, I think that is really something that I, I want to have. I see that a lot of the men I'm dealing with, um, carry a lot of wounding specifically around masculinity, um, being a man, but then as well, an absence of having a, you know, male role model or a father figure. I think that's a huge thing. So I think that as well is something that I, I really want to support intending to through those structures. Um, I think, and, and this is something a bit more further down the line. Of course, I want to as well be this a platform where women can come to understand men. I think this is something that's really important, you know, where women can come so they can understand men better. Why are they the way they are, right? And coming into both for men and both for women, coming into an appreciation of how we're different, mm -hmm. like honoring the differences between each other, right? And where I would like to as well move. And I, I see, like I said, I see this much further down the line, but I have a desire to, to see how we can come together, men and women, and come into connection with each other, come into relationship with each other. And this is really where I'm very inspired by the work of specifically John Wineland. And yeah, I would love to look into deeper um, training around that. Yeah. yeah. So really helping men heal and helping women heal and then helping the integration. Yeah. Well. I think at the end of the day, it's relationship for me. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think that's what I'm moving towards. Beautiful. <laughs> if someone's listening to this and let's say, you know, most of the listeners of the show have some relationship with porn and they're struggling with it. Do you have any words of wisdom or words of advice you'd like to share with? I think the first thing that I want to just name is coming in into an 
deep acceptance and an understanding of where you are at right now and really offering yourself a sense of compassion because what I notice is that a lot of men can carry shame for this behavior and, and come into an experience where they feel broken within themselves. And I, I guess I just want to remind them that they're not broken and that they probably directed, were directed towards this behavior because they didn't know how to tend to that pain. And so I invite them as well to, first of all, have the courage to tend to that pain, but then as well, have the support structures that you need. And I highly emphasize the importance of having support structures, people like you, people like me, you know, men who have gone through that journey that can support them. We, we can't go on that journey alone. Like that's something that I really believe in because that's been this, that's been my truth as well. Right. And I think what's more important than like completely removing the, um, the habit of porn from our lives is exploring our relationship to ourselves from moment to moment, you know, as we're still battling with the challenge of porn, mm -hmm. you know, because there, there can be moments when we don't watch it at all, but how do we tend to ourselves when we watch it again? Do we judge the shit out of ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Do we, do we whip ourselves, right? Or can we be compassionate with ourselves? Can we be like, fuck? I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have anything that I could do that was better. And if I did, I probably would have done that. And so I think a compassionate approach, but then as well, having an understanding, why are you here? Like, well, what, do you, what is it that you want to be a stand for? Mm. Yeah. What is it that you're willing purpose. to work with? Yeah. Connected to a sense of purpose, right? Yeah. Beautiful. Well, man, this has been a, an epic conversation and I really love what you're doing with the Heart of Man podcast. I think it's, it's great stuff and what you're doing just in the world in general. So thank you for being a guest on the show and thank you everyone who's been listening along to this episode. That's it for today. We will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>